to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Dave's You Know. This is Dave's I You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome back to another episode of the Dave's I Know podcast. The uh, uh, Dave has two kids edition of the podcast. So, oh, yay! Congratulations! Um, yeah, if you don't follow me on Twitter for some reason, which I think everybody who listens to this podcast probably follows me on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we had our we had our second child uh, on Friday morning, so um, I had plans to watch a lot of soccer this weekend, and I watched hardly any. So <laughs> you know how it is. Um, I managed to watch Liverpool and I managed to watch Minnesota United and a little bit of that Elliot of the El Trafico match because it was on at the bar. Yes, I went to the bar to watch the game because I needed to get out of the house and I had an extra I had two extra sets of hands with my in-laws who were in town. So um Yay, yeah. in-laws. Yeah, so yeah, we have a, a beautiful little girl and my family is now trying to adjust, including the cats, which are not adjusting as well. <laughs> yeah, it um, sounds like the cats are having more difficulty than, than Ragnar is. Yeah, he actually, Ragnar's very excited to be a big brother. Um, the only problem is he doesn't understand that you can't really jump on the bed when the baby's on the bed. <laughs> um, so he we're trying to help. So we're trying to teach him that, but yeah, but yeah, he's very much a very like very little much... sister's got a cowboy up or what? Right, right. He's a very good helper. Helps with the help changing diapers and and all that stuff. So he's it's been very I'm pleasantly surprised actually with Ragnar. Honestly, uh, fortunately today we're recording a little bit later because he I think was very excited, didn't want to go to bed. But um, but yeah, mixtape. Uh, my cat has refused to basically leave uh, the upstairs of our house because. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's the definition of a scary cat, honestly, in, in every respect of the word. So, but I'm just not the only one here. We have uh, MJ. MJ, how you doing? I'm doing well. Other than the state of a soccer team that we support, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. And making her uh, her triumphant return, uh, who got rave rave reviews from people I talked to. Uh, Jess, Jess, how you doing? Um, excited to be back, and um. I haven't actually listened to the episode from last week because I'm, I hate the sound of my voice. Yeah. Just from prior experience. And I was like, is that going to ruin it? I, I'm trying not to ruin myself for myself. You anyway. know, I, when I first started, when, when Martin and I first started, I listened to all of them because he was the one who did most of the editing. Um, and I was not, I mean, I have an annoying voice and I was not annoyed by my voice. I'm more annoyed by MJ's voice, honestly, than I am by my voice. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very annoying I'm, voice. I'm kidding, MJ. I'm kidding. Uh, well, um, when I listen to my voice, I'm very annoyed by it. Uh, but I do have to go back and I do have to listen to significant chunks of it to edit it. So I've gotten to the point now where I don't need, like I download it. So we just, we get the extra download, but I don't actually listen to the podcast anymore. I just mark it as played uh every time so but yeah i gained us one follower at least my best friend brie shout out to brie um she also works with several lunatics who always ask about her quote unquote minnesota united friend 
because they apparently know that I have season tickets because I bring Brie to all my games. Nice. Which I hope to again soon, right? Like, what's the status on that? Yeah, I I heard some rumors. We'll talk about. We have it. It's in the rundown. Uh, we'll talk about that after the after we talk about this uh, terrible matchup. But I, I will. I would just want to reiterate. Like, I literally heard from multiple people who were like, "Bring Jess back. Jess was awesome." Um. So, yeah, it's not just I me. Blowing... All of you. Thank you so much. Long time, <laughs> long time listener and personal friend of mine, Patreon Eric Grady had great things to say about you. Um. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Not blowing not blowing smoke up your ass. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I can. I I love the person who called me a foul-mouthed Richard Simmons. I, <laughs> forgive me. I can't remember what twit that was, but um, I was like, yeah, that's pretty fucking accurate. I'll go with that. Like there you it. go. Well, uh, <laughs> a successful debut. Let's see how you do on your on your sophomore effort here. Um, I have uh, high expectations now. So, I guess. Um, so yeah, so uh, guys, remember obviously that we are on Patreon. Uh, if you are a Patreon member, we uh, unfortunately our beer, the Red Card Rye, is a little delayed. Um, if you were a Patreon member, you got an email or a message from me on Patreon uh, last week about it. Um, the carbonation is not coming up uh, like Christian and the Hop Clubs wanted to do, and that dude did and not. Only like... perfection, only yeah. perfection will do. That, so, a guy, that guy only wants to put out good good shit so actually he gave me one uh a, a, like a week or so ago and i tried it it's really good it was not carbonated properly um but the beer itself is really good i can i can actually attest to that and also uh, if you want to get in uh patreon.com slash daves i know to help support the daves that you know um and christian, or you don't know or you don't know uh christian actually put out a thing on twitter uh after the match about uh people requesting the heath out stout beer and he, uh, there's a tweet out there basically saying, if you join the Patreon, um, I think I can't remember. He said in the next week, if we get uh, ten new Patreon members in the next week, he will remake the Heath Out Stout beer at the end of the month uh, for all the Patreon members. So we actually got two new Patreon members over the course of the last like day or so. So if you are, if you're, if you've been on, on the fence uh, about whether you wanted to join the Patreon. Um, you can join at $3 a month and you'll get all the beers and including uh, that uh, Heath Out Stout beer um, as long as you continue to be a member of the Patreon. So definitely uh, consider it. Heath <laughs> Craft beers for $3 a month? Come on. Yeah, and yeah. Us? Hello. <laughs> so uh, visit patreon.com slash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. Uh, all right, let's, let's jump into it. Um, we're going to try and keep this as tight as possible. Um, I know MJ and I both have uh, mega rants probably locked in loaded. I got, I was able to, luckily I joined the, uh, the Minnesota football show uh, after the match they do. Um, they've been, they've been doing these uh, Twitter spaces uh, things, which is basically just like a, a recap uh, or, you know, a couple people can get on and, and speak and talk about the game and then people can listen. You can also request to, uh, to, to ask a question or join. Uh, if you follow the, the MN football show on Twitter uh, after the matches, it's either Rodrigo or Eric uh, Silver Benjamin hosts them. And they asked me to join and I wasn't planning on joining, you know, cause of, you know, the kid and stuff, but I was at the black card. I'd had a, had a beer or two. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm so ready got- to run my mouth. So I got a lot of my I got a lot of my frustration and, and uh, things that had built up over the course of the 90 minutes out there. But I do have some thoughts, too. So 
Minnesota starts the match in a 4-3-3, uh, surprising a 4-3-3 uh, for Minnesota with Reynoso out on the left, uh, Lude in the center, and Dotson on the right. Um, Reynoso, Lude, and Dotson were very fluid uh, all game, so that is something. It's, so it's a 4-3-3, but it wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't really locked into those positions. Uh, Will Trap, Ozzy Alonso, and Jan Gregush all in the, uh, in the midfield together with Gregush playing more of a number eight. Uh, and Trapp and Alonzo as uh, as sixes. And then the same back four um, as before. Uh, Gaspar, Raitala, Boxall, and Metinier. Uh, the game started off really well for Minnesota. Um, they actually controlled possession. They Reynoso had a shot, I believe, in the second or third minute. That was close. Uh, in the 17th minute, he steps up. Reynoso, that is, and takes... Um, might be the free kick goal of the year. I'm not sure if it's going to be the goal of the year, but if you just do the free kicks, it, it uh, was an amazing... Uh, shot around the wall um, just past the diving Will Yarbrough. Yarbrough had no had no shot on that and no chance on that and Reynoso just absolutely absolutely fucking crushed it so in a in a, in a particularly um, dangerous spot too for or not even necessarily dangerous like because it's right in the center of the of the pitch so uh, keeper has a lot of uh, you gotta really hit it good to be the keeper there so uh, MJ or Jess any thoughts on that first goal? We know that that Reynoso can score from set pieces, and this was beautiful. Went over the wall. It was bendy too. Like yeah. it wasn't like the bend it like Beckham kind of goal, but it was it was. Um, and it like Babelo. Yeah, hit it like Babelo. Yeah. Sorry, Jess. Uh, no, I was just going to confess that I was I did not get to see the game, and I thought. They had this whole television broadcasting thing on my iPad figured out, but apparently not. And I'm not ESPN plus, but I don't know why not because I totally log in with my parents Xfinity (laughs) and I get Fox sports basic and ESPN basic apparently, but I was planning on at least having it on. Anyway, I didn't get to see it, but I did get those handy dandy notifications from my MNU app. (laughs) <laughs> and so when we scored, well, in this, it was the 17th minute. Yeah. Yeah. In the 17th minute. And then again, in the 24th minute, and I saw it was Dotson. I actually didn't even look at the first notification, just saw the second one. I was like, okay, we're back in town. Like, there's no way we got this right. Like we're back on track. Everybody's got their butts on. We're, we're doing this. We're back. And then um, I looked up the score, you know, after the game, and I was like, "How in the hell? How in the hell?" Let's let's talk about that. So you mentioned the the, the 24th minute uh, goal, <clears throat> Sonny Dotson. Um, Robin Lude actually, it's it's a break. Robin Lude uh, plays it. He's actually on his uh, his left foot, hit the foot that he likes it. But Yarbrough was coming out to to meet him, and I, I he realized he didn't have an angle. He just and instead of uh, a shooting. He just hits a diagonal ball straight across to Hassani Dotson, who's running in unmarked by anybody. Both of the Rapids defenders had sort of closed down on Robin Lude, and Yarbrough is coming out to 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 attack. Um, and Dotson just basically cast a side foot into the net. Um, there was not a lot of space though between those two defenders and Lude no the needle. It was it was yeah it was a perfect perfect pass. So so yeah, yeah so yeah. Ozzy started the whole thing. Yes, he did. Yeah, it was it was a great it was a great uh, outlet pass from Ozzy Alonso. So. So yeah, so then you got it, you know, as just said, like we're feeling really good about Minnesota. They maybe they found their shooting boots finally. And uh and then it everything kind of went to shit. It, it even it started even actually in the at the end of the first half, the last um five minutes or so, 
Colorado really started vacation. Taking, yeah, Colorado really started taking it to Minnesota. Um, and then in the second half, it was just it was all Colorado the entire. I don't think Minnesota threatened to really at any point at all. And <clears throat> part of me thinks that you know, loot or uh, sorry, Heath came out in the four three three. I think that threw Colorado. I think they were certainly not planning for to play like uh, against a four three three. But clearly, they they quickly you know quickly figured it out after allowing the two goals. Second half starts. Colorado's on the front foot the entire time. Uh, 54th minute Bassett, uh, Cole Bassett, who had come on, I believe in like the 20th minute or something for, for injury. Uh, he hits a post, hits the post. Uh, there's a shot over the bar, just a flurry of activity in front of the Minnesota goal. And then that leads pretty much directly to the first Colorado goal. Um, 57th minute off of a Jack Price corner. Um, there's a bunch of scrambling in the box. Uh, I can't remember which Colorado player hit it, but uh, Raitala has to clear off the line. Um, Grey Goose clears a ball, goes straight to Kellen Acosta, who just puts his fucking laces through it. And Dane St. Clair has literally no chance at the ball to give uh, to give Colorado some life. And then in the 50, 67th minute, uh, Ethan Finley comes on for Romain Metinier. You're So you're thinking, okay, you know, we're going to... Um, Hassani Dawson drops back to the right. We figure, okay, we still we still are going to attack a little bit. Four minutes later, the second Colorado goal. This time, Cole Bassett actually puts the ball in the back of the net. Um, there's a cross, basically, from um, on the ground from Minnesota from a Colorado player. <clears throat> Dane Sinclair jumps out to basically stop the cross and just absolutely bundles the ball directly to Cole Bassett, who just taps it in for for the uh, second Colorado goal. And at that point, you know. After the first goal, I think I, I think MJ, you and I were sitting next to each other, and I think at one point, so at some point, one of us turned to each other and it's like, "Oh, we're gonna lose this game." I think it might have been me who's like after that first goal, uh, the Colorado goal, it's like, "Oh, we're definitely gonna lose this game." Yeah, yeah. They score, they score that second one in the seventy-first minute, um, and it's that was absolutely on Dane St. Clair for not uh, corralling the ball properly. I don't think so, but that's just no one. No one picked up Bassett. No one picked up Bassett, but Dane St. Clair needs he if he doesn't. Uh, bungle that ball then it doesn't matter like he, he, he made the save i don't like yeah well, yeah, it yeah it would be nice if he had softer hands and and he could corral it but someone's got to pick up that the, the that the empty body coming towards the net and we're just that's horrible the at that. makes me nervous it's true yeah that's fair <clears throat> like right. but but you know he's a hugely like very t- vertically tall individual yeah I had no idea until I happened to be at this, you know, game the other week um, against Austin. Yeah. Where uh, someone may have been blasted in the face. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to, we're going to skip over the, uh, the, the 80th minute sub, although we'll say this, cause I want, I want to talk about that, but in the eighth minute, what's, what's, what's uh, Brent Coleman comes on for Babel Obradoso, which, was roundly booed uh, by everybody that we were with uh, at the time. And literally less than two minutes later, Danny Wilson runs in unmarked off of a Jack Price corner um, and gives that Colorado the, the lead, making it three to two. Uh, literally a minute later, Juan Agadello and, uh, comes in for Lude and uh, Ramon, Ramon Abila for uh, Raitala. And, and Colorado has a, I forgot to even write this in the, in the outline. Colorado has a goal disallowed for offsides um, shortly after that. That would have made it 4-2. And anyways, the game ends 3-2. Uh, 
Uh, Can I do a, a Heath impression of the quote you have in the outline? <laughs> when we get to it, when we get to it, how about that? So, oh. uh, MJ, MJ um, what were your thoughts on this second half performance? And, and honestly, like basically the last 50 minutes of the game, including the, the final five minutes of the, of the first half. It looked like the Minnesota players had either A, a directive to not attack as much and to park the bus more, which again is a strategy for the 75th or 80th minute onward, for the, not something for the, for the 40th minute onward. Yeah, for the weak hearted is what it, that's a strategy for. Um, the other thing that, that, uh, David, you alluded to that at the, at the bar was just that it looked like they were playing at high altitude and were getting tired. Because they were. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Metanair gets injured and, and we have to sub in Finley and, and slide Dotson back. But maybe we should use some other subs as well. Before we go, they let, uh, we let them score one or two goals and tie it up. Before that happens, to keep the style of play that we want to to dictate on the pitch. This seems like this would have been a perfect game for Jacory Hayes to play 45 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like eat up some minutes, do smart things. Of course. Especially Jacory Hayes running at, you know, tired legs in, in the second 45 minutes. The, the sub thing for me with Heath is I just don't, I, it's not even like, it's not even worth having a discussion about it because we know how fucking terrible he is about it. And we know how it's just sort of like wedded into his ways. He is like, you would think you're, they, they flew in that morning, right? They, they flew in. Uh, they left. Cause I saw the tweet. They left at like nine o'clock in the morning on uh Saturday morning, flew into Colorado. I know it's only, it's like, we well, you know, you, you only lose basically about an hour because you go back a time zone. Right. So you, you know, you fly out at nine, you get there at 10 and even though it's like a two hour flight, um, so I understand that. And I, I know you, you actually like the second day when you're in, in Colorado is like one of the worst, like worst, more worse days for the altitude hangover stick sickness stuff. So like, there's, you know, so there's some actually, there's actual logic in flying in as, early, as, as soon as you flying in yeah. as late as you possibly can and then, um, playing, but still knowing that you are going to be playing at altitude, like, why don't you have a strategy that involves um, early subs, you know, I, and they clearly, they, I mean, they did, they weren't doing the sort of that as much of the high pressing as they have the last couple of matches. And I think that is clearly Keith was like, Oh, we probably can't high press. Um, but unfortunately the, they couldn't high press with Juan Agadello, Roma, Ramon Abila. Um, they certainly could have with this particular set of players with Babelo, with Hassani Dotson and with Robin Lude. Um, those guys are all fit, um, relatively young. Sonny Dotson is only what twenty three years old. They clearly could have done that as well. So it was just I. I don't like aggressive press in altitude, but yes, they I could don't. Have. I don't either. And I'm, I don't. I'm glad they didn't do it generally. But they, you know, if if you wanted, if you wanted to do it, like this was the lineup to do it with, right? Not fucking Ramon Abela in the lineup, or not with Juan Agudelo who can't fucking run for yeah. shit. You're right. You know, like. Um. Anyways, so uh, Jess, did you have any other uh, uh thoughts on? the game after reading all the tweets and seeing us be all very much pissed off about it. Otherwise then we can, otherwise we can jump into that common for Reynoso uh, debacle. 
you don't have to it's it's totally fine <laughs> i guess I, I i feel like on my second episode it's time for the rubber to hit the road and i i'm not a uh out stout drinker uh i'm not, i'm not opposed to heath so i just i guess i wanted to hear a little bit more about the anti-heath debate Unless it's not a good time, in which case we can table that for another. <laughs> maybe season. maybe you read the Heath quote first, and then Zeller and I can react to that. So so let's so yeah so let's let's preface this. So um, Adrian, in in a, a shocking move to everybody, uh, brings in Brent Coleman of all people for Emmanuel right now. So and this is there's a lot is a lot of heightened uh things here because brent coleman um has proven himself to be a fucking asshole um, really oh yeah uh the dude um refused to kneel during the black lives matter protests and stuff after um uh, he was the only minnesota united player i think he was the, the only player in the league who um refused to take a knee during the the, the mls is back tournament um he's said some he said some really coded shit in terms of interviews with explaining himself about why he didn't do it or whatever it's it's it, he's he's very um he's become a lightning rod which is a left center back you really don't want to become a lightning rod for your for your team's fan base and clearly just like you didn't know about that so not everybody knows about it but the but you know there's a lot of people who do and, and do care about it and are very much um you know not huge fans of it so unimpressed yeah this is um uh so so adrian heath brings in brent coleman for emmanuel reynoso um i think i immediately tweeted um well, i'm trying to find the exact the exact tweets but basically that this was heath raising the white power uh flag. yeah i saw that <laughs> so um, which got some really good engagement on, on the Twitter machines, uh, which I, I love, but uh, not as not as much as me posting pictures of my new baby. But you know, can't win them all. Anyways, um, so we have a quote, a direct quote from Heath, and uh, Jess is going to give us her Adrian Heath impression uh, and read the quote. Well, at that stage, I thought we were going to lose the game, as it proved we did. I just wanted to get another defender on because. They, they were putting a lot of balls in a box and I thought another body in there might help us, but it wasn't to be. That's, that's actually really good. <laughs> good job. Thank you. Thank you. So, so the quote here is, 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 I don't know. It's more or less like you just, he's like, like, I just threw some shit at the wall and I wanted to see what would stick and nothing did. It was shitty. This is a weird thing for him to say. Um, this guy never says anything like this. And uh, especially about balls and boxes, he's really hard to catch in a sexual innuendo. I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so there's there's a, the gen, there's so there's several. Um, I don't know. As the leader of the the conductor of the Heath out train, and I have been for a long, long time. There's a lot of nuance in the Heath out uh, discussion. Um, some of it is just like the guy is kind of a prick and you know, I would rather not have pricks like coach and manage my favorite teams. But all the big coaches are pricks. Not everyone, not everyone. Uh -huh. And and not specifically to the fan base. Like he's been a prick 
directly to the fan base. Uh, oh. And so I just, for it, it, in my estimation, now maybe not everybody, maybe not everybody, maybe he's a, like, if you work, maybe if you work with him in, in the Minnesota front office or whatever, he's the nicest guy in the world. The interactions I've had with him have not been super great. So um, and he's not nice to the media either. That are oh, yeah. trying to do their jobs. They're not trying to catch Heath in like a lie or, you know, they're just trying to ask questions, tough questions. But yeah, he's he's not nice. Well, he doesn't, you know, speak American. So, you know, <laughs> there's a language barrier. Yeah. The, the other thing and and the more important thing honestly like whatever my personal uh, opinions of of the guy being an asshole that's that's me and i've you know again i have my personal experience you can't people can't take that from me they may have they may have had different experiences maybe adrian heath has gone and hung out at their mother's deathbed and she was a huge adrian heath fan or whatever and he was super awesome very very much a, a, a very a possibility um more importantly from the tactical side is 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 we have I personally have issues with a just his tactics generally um, B more specifically his inability to change tactics or to recognize uh, when his team is getting run over uh, and, and adjust um, either in game or at halftime. Uh, and then uh, three, his usage of substitutes and, or, and, or lack thereof, right. He used four in this mm-hmm. game. But again, he used his first one in the 67th minute, the second one in the eighth minute, and then the, the, the last two in the 83rd minute. Um, too late. In in yeah. Colorado. I mean, it'd be too late in any game. Like, I think uh, there's uh, Kim, there's been some studies about this, basically. Like, the earlier you use your subs, the better, right? Um, fresh legs, fresh yeah. legs. Fresh legs running at tired legs, especially because especially most teams don't sub their defenders. So your defenders are the ones who are playing the long, you know, they have the most minutes on their on their legs. So those are the three, I mean, MJ, correct me if I'm wrong. Those are the three sort of, well, the, the, you know, my own personal issues aside, the two main, uh, the two main problems that people generally have with Adrian Heath and, and the, the folks who are on the Heath out uh, train. Did I, did I hit it? Is there anything yeah, else that you yeah, want to add? Yeah. I, I would just say that the subs is, can be seen as a, an additional bullet point or also an extension of the, mid-game management bullet point right and and it's just consistently not good i will give him props in the sense of since 2017 till now player acquisition has gotten better and and his pre-gaming has gotten better like how we play in the first 20 to 40 minutes seems to have some sort of semblance of a direction seems to have some sort of semblance of plan that is executed well. Um, and we were not, you cannot say we were seeing anything like that in 2017 and 2018. And so we'll give credit to that he's gotten better at pre-gaming and coming with, he's gotten better at getting better players in, but we're still shitty at set pieces. <laughs> Yes, um, we are. We really Reynoso's are. Free, kick, free kicks notwithstanding. Like our corners defending and our corners like taking, we don't really know what the fuck we're doing. And so, and, and defense, defensive-wise, when we're off the ball, we still seem to be kind of clueless or lost or running around with our chickens with our head cut off. So I, think- I guess I would add those positives and negatives to what David said. Like, yeah. 
defensively and set pieces, we still suck and we shouldn't. Yeah, you're 100 percent correct, MJ. Um, the 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 actual players we've brought in have been much better. You know, it's I think it's to Heath's benefit, but also his detriment that um, he has he has a style and a system that he generally wants to play. And he will he will do everything he possibly can to shoehorn motherfuckers into that system, whether right. they should be there or not. Right. Hassani Dotson should not be playing as a as a attacking uh, winger. Um, right. Generally, but, like in a in a pinch, if you absolutely have to, because because, you know, five people are injured or out or international duty or whatever, maybe. Um, so he definitely has a system that he wants to run. He tried. He did that for 27, 2018. We saw terrible results. We finally got some better players in. And that was it might. You know, in 2019, it looked a lot better. In 2020, even better. Um, I so love that, Ike. Yeah, so that is like, so that is, that's part of it. Um, and and the player acquisition he has since he's taken over has gotten significantly better. And I mean, how much of that is but Mark what about Watson? When he's let go. Well, that's, yeah, that's you know, that's another thing. That's another here nor there. <laughs> okay. um, the man, the Marino. man, only, Marino. yeah, the man apparently rubs people the wrong way. Um, I forgot what my other point that I was going to bring up was, but anyways, it's so, yeah. So, so there, are, there, there have been some, some brighter spots, you know, in the last couple of years, but we've seen a, a clear step backwards um, in terms well, we... of, Oh, okay. Um, and, and so my, my so I, I've, I think there's a, I have a general, especially when it comes to soccer managers, there's like, there's like three, like, I think types of soccer managers. I think there's a lot of variation within these three, right? There's, there's the training ground managers who like who run really good training sessions, get a lot of other players in training, um, are are you know valuable uh, vessels of information. There's the player manager, which is like the people the one that the players love. Um, they they want to go to battle for that person. And then there's like the in game manager. There's the person who is really good at at seeing what's happening, um, adjusting, uh, taking those tactics, uh, and uh, making things work and, and moving people around and all that right it's a lot harder in, in soccer because it's much easier to yell at people on a basketball court and say hey fucking go there right it's a lot harder when you're you have a gigantic ass pitch ideally your manager has you know all three of those things in some uh in some way shape or form very or, or at least or at least two of them right maybe they're not a great uh player manager player you know player person but they're really good at, at training and they're really good at um uh you know, in-game uh, adjustments. Well, you just have to outsource. I would just get a bunch of assistant coaches that had, you know, like three assistant coaches. We, we tried to do that. Yeah, be so, really good so, so at yeah. one of those things. So, so they've they've tried to do that. Um, it, it ultimately it comes down to that, that Heath is in charge, and I think he just is refu- like um, refuses to give up some of the of that uh, uh, roles and abilities. A really good. Actually, if you really want to learn more about like the, the, all the managers and like how you can use your assistants and stuff, um, there's a Watch game called Ted Lasso. There, no, there's a game called Football Manager, um, which is it's like a, a simulation soccer game. Um, you can you actually can learn quite a bit about how to delegate and what the things are that you need. And, and this is a you know this is a very um, galaxy brain take from that. I think Adrian Heath is is probably a decent uh, training manager. I think he probably like everybody that you hear from. They talk about how how well he runs his trainings and, and all the things that they learn there. Well, he's only been doing it a million years. Yeah, he he's and so in, and so the training manager is actually really good at um, setting up a tactic for the game, right? Mm-hmm. And we've and we've seen in the past, not just in the last, not just here in in twenty twenty one, 
uh, or in 2020 or even in 2019. Like there's been games in like 2017 and 2018 where Minnesota United came out with a, a, a system, a plan, execute that plan for about 35, 40 minutes, you know, uh, was, were beating teams and then just absolutely fell apart. This is, this is, this falling apart in the second half. This is not a new problem. This is a problem that we've had in the past. We just sort of like, I feel like I forgot about it. It didn't really manifest itself too much in 2020 is the thing. So I think in 2020 is such a weird year. Um, I don't, Oh, it's hard to remember. It feels like, Oh yeah. Yeah. From 2020, I am remembering from an iPad screen. I mean, 2019, even if you, if you remember, like we were fading at the end of the year, um, especially in like in the second half of games and, you know, Minnesota was challenging for like a top two or three seed uh, and then absolutely faded, ended up finishing fourth and lost to uh, the Galaxy uh, in the playoffs um, uh, in when LA Galaxy uh, yeah, adjusted in that. the second half and Chicharito scored. So th- this is not a this so that you know, people talk about this as being a problem, this the second half thing. This is not a this is not a new problem. This is a, the problem just remanifesting itself. And I think you're seeing it in the players, the players that don't look like they want to play for him in the second half. And I, that um, just, it's a bad, bad sign. Uh, so we have three assistant coaches. We have Ian Fuller. We mm-hmm. have Sean McCauley, who's supposed to be the defensive coach. Mm-hmm. Taking Mark Watson's place. And we have, is it Stuart Kerr? Yep. Oh, yeah, Stuart Kerr, yeah. Uh, the goalkeeper's coach. And so one of these guys has to stand up to Heath and like be, be the voice that says, hey, these are the things you're not good at. Here's how we can help. And to David's point, I think he's spot on. Either Heath isn't listening to other voices or he's created a culture where you cannot challenge him. Yeah. And that's a problem. And so, so to sort of echo that, that second half collapse point, um, Minnesota's allowed 10 goals this year uh, through four matches. Six of those 10 have come after halftime. And then I posted in our, in our notes uh, a graphic of uh, expected goals. Expected goals is, is not like a really, is not a um, great tool, honestly, but I think it it's illustrative of, of what you're doing when you have the, the ball. And, you know, this is actually something from the MLSsoccer.com uh, website. You can go into the game click on the game and you can actually look at some of the stats and stuff. And this is actually a graphic that's in there after every game. Um, Minnesota's expected goals basically like almost jumps to one after two minutes. Uh, we score the goal jumps up, jumps up right again, right when we score the second goal and then basically plateaus and, and craters right from there. Um, you can see they're not threatening. They're not basically Dallas is, is the sort of, yeah, it mirrors that, um, basically around the 45th minute is when they start taking their chances. So they, you know, their fallow period was at the beginning of the game. They readjusted, they figured it out and then they scored the three goals and they still ended up with less expected goals than Minnesota. Um, but you know, they still, they found the back of the net for theirs. So, um, so yeah, so. It's like Kendra says, <sighs> it's about finishing those chances. It is. It is. All right. Well, we've talked enough about that game. Let's let's talk about our uh, Freddie Adu's real quickly. Um, Jess, if you want to jump in, you can. If you, if you don't want to, because you didn't like watch I, the game, I just, that's fine. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, MJ, who do you got for Minnesota? Who's your Who's your Freddie Adu's? Um, Ozzy Alonso again. Uh, 
wearing the captain's armband, starting proving that he's invaluable as far as defense and organization. Yeah, he's going to get tired. And yes, uh, he still needs a back four that will organize behind him. So right. Ozzy gets my best ready to do. The back four gets the worst ready to do. For all those reasons. <laughs> For all those reasons. <laughs> Correct. Um, I went very specifically with my, my shitty Freddie to do with uh, Chase Gasper. I think he just, he looks out of his depth at this point. And I, unfortunately, until we get Bakai Debasi back, I don't know if he will lose his spot in the lineup. Uh, and then my good Freddie to do is obviously Emmanuel Reynoso. The man looks, <clears throat> um, after coming off injured against Austin, um, looked every bit ready to play. Um, obviously that is just an absolute uh, wonder strike of a goal from that set piece. And I think, I just wish he had, you know, had more people to help uh, service because, you know, he's just so goddamn good. Uh, MJ, who do you have on the on the crapid side? Cal uh, Acosta. He not only did he score a goal, but like just attacking created a lot of problems for that back four that I mentioned. Of which Chase Gasper, your worst ready to do is a part <laughs> of, by the way. Yes, I know. Um, so, and then for. Colorado worst ready news. Uh, I mean, talk about someone who has crapids written all over his forehead. They they score a goal, and not, granted, Colorado isn't winning, or but they they've scored a goal to bring it back to two one. And Diego Rubio's arguing with the ref, arguing with the ref, and then he gets a yellow card for ta- talking to the ref in an angry tone and saying yeah. who knows what. But fuck that- him. He's a dumb shit. I, I tend to agree with you there. So I'll give it to him on the good side. Jack Price, um, he set up two goals uh, from uh, set pieces. And again, we, we've already established that Minnesota is just shit at set pieces. Um, but Jack Price um, is really good at them and, and puts the ball in really interesting and good positions. Allows the team to capitalize. So I'll give it to him. Although your Kellen Costa shout is equally as good. So, all right, that takes us to our big question this week. Big question is from MJ. Um, so will who now, and, or frog upon, uh, almond cream help this club and MJ, this is your, your question. So let's, uh, let's start with you. So I will say that Adrian Unu and Franco Fragapani will both help this club. They will fill holes that we need to fill at left wing and striker. But at the end of the day, to use a Manny Lagosism, at the end of the day, you still have Adrian Heath as your coach. So as much as filling open spots on your roster that will help you play the way your coach wants you to play, the problems that we have as far as adjusting in the second half, making substitutions for tired legs, those things will continue to persist. So the new, the new players will help. It takes a while to get adjusted to the crazy thing that is MLS. But at the end of the day, we still have Adrian Heath as our manager. Jess, you want to weigh in? Sure. Well, I would like to hearken back to, I believe, uh, MJ... It was, actually, it could have been either of you. I don't remember. (laughs) But uh, one of you made a statement about 
Heath as in he likes to pound, you know, square pegs into the round holes that he has established, like that that he wants. And he's just going to pound them in there. I would say that Punu and um, other new guy, Almond Krim, is they're going to help us as much as they fit into the round holes that Heath wants to plug them into, right? Like if they're ready to play Heath's game, then maybe they'll help us a lot. But um, also it takes, I can only imagine how long it takes. Like, I'm a really good soccer player. You're a really good soccer player. You're a really good team or you're a mediocre team. And here I come, new guy. I have to imagine that it takes some time to develop a relationship and a, and a place on the team and where you belong. So I don't see any brand new addition helping immediately, like, bam. Right, it's not a not an antidote. Yeah, famously, Reynoso is is the exception, not the rule, when it comes to um, joining MLS and just lighting the world on fire. Right. <laughs> so I think I think this is a, a, I think a good framing of this question. Um, I think maybe even a better framing of this question would be like, um, when will Uno and uh, Uno and uh, uh, almond cream help the club yeah, yeah. i think you're 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 100 correct and that they you know those those guys are are bona fide good soccer players um and just you know you make the point as well like they're you know it's it's it really is just about like how quickly they can adjust to mls to to turf fields to the you know ridiculous travel that like these guys play in in countries where they don't have to sit on a flight for five hours or four hours to get from, you know, one part of the country to another, you know, um, it, it's it, it, and on the same day, no less. Like we're right. We're not, we're not doing, I think the only, I think they only do overnights if it's two time zones. So they're not same day flights. It's, it's most of what we're doing. Um, so if you get used to that, and Oh my gosh, when I travel for business, I get so like, I've started wearing those old lady support stocking things, socks, up to my calves because it's super sexy i am the sexiest businesswoman you know yeah um especially when i'm like grabbing 12 different piles of shit off the uh you know security conveyor belt but i am prepared i have everything in the little zip anyway what was i saying (laughs) when you fly business travel travel uh yeah. Preparing. Oh, but for. I feel like there was a lot of, of of pomp and circumstance when we were getting, we were anticipating the arrival of Thomas Chacon. And then all of a sudden he got here, he played a couple games for a couple minutes, and it was like, yeah. He's, yeah. he's and then you never saw him again. It was like, wait, what? I, these are these are these are slightly different signings in that respect. In that um, 
educate me. Yeah, well, um, so I mean, they're they're both playing high high level soccer, um, and they have been for several years. Like Thomas Chacon is young; he was young when we signed him. Um, I believe he was only had just turned eighteen, so he was still a project. Seventeen, um, he was still a project, right? He's still someone who had, well, you know, the potential and life sucked out of him by the vampire that is Adrian Heath. Um, however. <laughs> These guys are, are well-established, like, and and clearly people that Minnesota has had their eye on for a while. So they'll jump in right, they'll jump right into the to the team as, as quickly as they possibly can um, with, you know, COVID stuff. The, the question I have it, it, it related to this, and maybe is, is, is this team, so they'll help the team in some, in some capacity. I think this team just might be broken. And until Adrian Heath is out, until... It, so, but it's hard, it's hard for uh, an owner of a team when Adrian Heath is the guy who's in charge of making these personnel decisions. And he said, I need these two guys um, and then two or three others, which he continues lives to say, it's hard for him to, it's hard for an owner of, of the team. It's not, I mean, it's not hard, but knowing this particular owner of this team, it's going to be hard for him to say, well, you know what, Adrian, um, I know you haven't gotten your guys yet or they haven't gotten blooded in yet, or, you know, it's, it's been, but we have to let you go. We have to make a change. We need, we need a, a better presence in the locker room. So my, my, my question and my issue is that the locker room might be broken <clears throat> and beyond repair by the time these guys get here. So they'll help because they'll make the team better, but what does better look like for this team is better means they can, you know, run off seven or eight wins in a row, um, collect a bunch of points or is better just like not losing, you know, th- four to one to Seattle is, is better just like a one, one draw, which doesn't do jack shit for this team and the expectations that they had this year and the expectations that they should have considering the, the quality of players that they have on their roster. So will they help? Yes. I just, I, I'm worried that there, they, there's nothing they can do really to, to, actually improve this team in in this year right these guys will be signed for longer term so maybe this is a you know we need to get through this year fire adrian and then you know readjust but then anytime and eric silverman can talk about this he's a brazilian team goyas uh fires managers every basically every three weeks <laughs> and there's no consistency in in what the team is trying to do anytime a manager comes in they want to bring in their their own guys they want to bring in their own system and who knows if, if uh, almond cream is going to fit whatever system the next guy brings in. MJ, I'll give you the last word on this. this is, uh, your question was a really good one. I, David, you bring up a really good point about the locker room and it being broken. And you would just both bring up great points about time to acclimate to MLS, to a new system, to a new coach, whoever that coach is. And it, it just, to me, comes back to this better players can get you so far but you still need a coach that can adapt and see things on the pitch and make adjustments in player personnel whether that's substitutions or formation or what have you i give keith a lot of credit for using a 4-3-3 this game instead of his beloved 4-2-3-1 and right out of the gate making sure he had his best 11 players all on the pitch at once. He figured a way to get them all on. You know, he got all three of our best central midfielders on the pitch. You know, he found a way to get Dotson starting. Um, and I'll give him credit for that. 
because we looked really good that first half when we were doing things that maybe Colorado was preparing a 4-2-3-1 for, and we were doing 4-3-3 things, and they didn't know what the fuck was up, and we had, we took a two-goal lead. Yeah. But If only time had stopped there. Yeah. Better players only get you so far is my last bit. We, we need a, a, a manager to manage. Yeah. I was actually thinking about back sort of kind of back to that, that question about um, when I was talking about the different types of managers, Antonio Conte is, is one that comes to mind as a guy <laughs> who just really adapts, say what you want. I mean, Interbon, uh is a bunch of uh, fucking racists and all that, but Romelu Lukaku has actually revitalized his career there. And uh, Antonio Conte is one, is, is one of those managers who just is able to really ad- adjust his system and what he wants to do to the players that he has. Right. He made, yeah. he fucking made Andrea Pirlo a goddamn defensive midfielder, the dude who had never played defense in his entire fucking life. So right. um, it's just a, I, I, I was reading a story about him today. So it jumped to mind when I was, we were talking about managers and stuff. So he, he's right. out of our price range, David. He is a little bit out. Of, yeah. Apparently he, he makes more. I was reading a story today uh, at inner. Uh, uh, he makes more than the managers of Inner. Roma, uh, AC, Milan, uh, and then um, one other big club combined. That's how, that's how much fucking Inter Miami's or Inter, not Inter Miami, uh, Inter Milan is uh, paying Antonio Conte. Fucking bonkers. All right, let's move on. What's uh, we have one little bit of, uh, well, I guess theoretical other United news. Um, so last week, the governor announced that he's lifting a lot of the mandates uh, on capacities for outdoor venues, for indoor venues, um, masks and stuff. Um, Minnesota doesn't play a home game until June 23rd after these two coming up this week. So I think there is, and heard rumors that Minnesota is going to go to full capacity uh, on June 23rd. Oh God, I hope so. I want my seats back. (laughs) And uh, do I. So it's so the other so the other big news with that is that um, the governor's mandating uh, masks at any outdoor venues over 500 people until July 1st or whenever Minnesota gets to 70 percent um, capacity. I think it leaves it's good. I think that order actually leaves room for for venues and places to have a mask mandate in place. So I really hope if we're going to go to 100 percent capacity, which I really think is, is number one, it's I know people want to get back to the seats is a stupid fucking idea. Um, mm-hmm. but, but if they're going to do it, I, I really hope that Minnesota is really good about enforcing the mask, uh, mandate, uh, the first two games it, when people were out in the, in the concourses and stuff like that. Um, and I know this at least gives Minnesota a little bit of time to figure out how they can staff back up. Cause I know there's also going to be, you know, pinch point issues with soccer and fo- soccer, unfortunately, like baseball, you know, there's not baseball. There's obviously lots of natural breaks during, during the game, uh, middle of the game, Soccer, it's there's a lot more places for pinch points. So hopefully Minnesota has has done some research and learned a little bit. So, so yeah, maybe 100 capacity when Austin, Texas comes back to town uh, on June 23rd. God, I hope so. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about Minneapolis City uh, and then talk about these uh, matches coming up. Whoop You won't me. That type of dude and I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. 
All right, and we're back. Uh, we're going to wrap up here, uh, hopefully shortly, but, you know, you never know. Uh, with Minneapolis City, uh, talk a little bit about the games that are coming up this week, Vancouver on Wednesday and Dallas on Saturday. And then we have a little bit of uh, additional MLS uh, and WSL world news. So um, we'll be quick, but here, we'll start with Minneapolis City Minute, which probably end up being the Minneapolis City 5 to 10 Minutes. Um, Sioux Falls, so Minneapolis City opened their season uh, in Sioux Falls on Saturday. The uh, beat the Sioux Falls Thunder three to nothing. So whoop whoop Minneapolis City. Uh, the forty second minute Sioux Falls Thunder midfielder uh, Brennan Haggerty took down Will Kidd for a red card, uh, and uh, Muhammad Youssef, Will Kidd, and uh, uh, Clinton Stockman Willis all scored for uh, the city, uh, the Crows. Uh, to make it a three in the, the Yusuf in the 53rd minute, Will Kidd in the 78th and uh, Stockman Willis in the 90th minute. Um, if you're not a Minneapolis city uh, fan, you should definitely become one. They're a fun, fun team to watch and support. And are again, just a really great um, uh, Twitter presence and uh, like alternative soccer team. And then uh, just the other sort of last point about the the main team and MJ has we have a lot of news about their uh, affiliated teams. Uh, home opener is this Friday the fourteenth versus Dakota Fusion at the Nelly. That's at Augsburg. Uh, they're uh, seven p.m. Seven p.m. on Friday Nine the fourteenth. What's that? Nine dollars. Nine dollars. Yeah, if you don't have a ticket, uh, go online buy buy it online. Um, the Minneapolis Citizens, which is the uh, supporters group for Minneapolis City. Uh, it's always at the park across the street, manning the grills, um, bring meats and bevies uh, if you want. Uh, it's a really great uh, group of people that are really fun to hang out with. They're really open, um, super engaging. Um, you can just show up if you don't know anybody and just say, hey, I'm a new person here, and you will find people to meet very quickly. And Minneapolis City, again, is such a such a fun fun experience. Uh, you can bring – so Minneapolis, so they always have a food truck there. Um, they don't have uh, – uh, alcohol sales but you can bring in a cooler uh and you can pay if it's a small cooler so i think it's five bucks if it's a big cooler it's 20 bucks um literally we've we've gone in there and we've brought in a cooler that has a uh, mar- uh, uh a mixer on there to make margaritas in the stadium <sighs> and we've had margaritas in the stadium so um yeah thank you colin and sam yeah colin solberg and, and sam solberg were the the, the, the the geniuses behind that idea so yeah, so it's really fun, and then you just gotta just make sure you bring some uh, some you know red solo cups so you're you can't see that you're drinking booze. But uh, yeah, you can definitely bring in beer and 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 wine and, and such. So um, definitely check out uh, Minneapolis City if you can. Uh, you I think you can still become a member of the team, and bas- that basically gets you a, a ticket to all the home games as well as I think two additional tickets so you can bring a friend, um, get them interested in lower league soccer. It's very much if you were a dark cloud or or went to Minnesota in the United games before. Uh, back at the Nessie, you know, before even actually before Dr. Bill bought the team, it's very much has that sort of vibe. So uh, MJ, tell us a little bit more about the rest of the NPSL and uh, Minneapolis City 2. Yeah, let's stay within the NPSL North here. There was only other one game in the NPSL North this weekend, and that was the new Twin Cities metro area out of St. Louis Park, Joy Athletic, hosting the Dakota Fusion. Uh, they won 4-1 at home. Whitney Brown, former Minneapolis City Crow, uh, scores the first two goals for Joy Athletic and assists uh, Emmanuel Iwe on the on the third goal. So he ends up with two goals and assists. He is by far 
like the whole team is made up of college kids like 18 to 21 year olds and he's the 28 year old on on the roster but he ends up uh with two goals and assists uh former Saprisa, soon to be st cloud state player emmanuel Uwe scores a third goal from whitney brown and phil caputo scores the fourth they have a lot of st cloud state uh players on, on on this roster so they have some connection there obviously and it'll be really interesting to see how they do in their first year because dakota fusion is not a good test you know no they're you bad ask, you you won four one uh the last time dakota fusion did well was you know three years ago so uh but yeah, I'm glad now that the Twin Stars are no longer and VSLT is focusing on more lower leagues and not doing NTSL anymore, that we have another Twin Cities rival in the NTSL North. Yeah, it's cool. More importantly, um, the other Minneapolis City squads, Minneapolis City 2 played a friendly versus Inter-Minneapolis at uh, the Nelly, Edor Nelson Field at Augsburg last weekend. And it ended up 2-2. So um, Minneapolis City 2 scores two goals. Inter Minneapolis scores two. It's 2-2-2. Two, 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 and right side Fred says two seconds. So Will Orser and Cole Schwartz with the goals for Minneapolis City 2. And then Sunday, the next day at the Nessie, Minneapolis City Futures play a friendly versus the Minnesota United Youth Development Academy. Futures win three to two with goals by Will Falkman, Zach Susi, and Cameron Ibrahim. And Karen F.A., goalkeeper, who's also part of the Futures, Ekuse, Ekuse uh, played the full 90 in nets for that Minneapolis City Futures team. So shout out to the Karen F.A. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Lo- now that, you know, we're back, lots of, lots of soccer. So. And that was the Minneapolis city eight minutes. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, all right. How did Dan and Zeller do this weekend? I didn't get Dan's results in terms of the, our, our foolish attempt to bet a hundred dollars on every single MOS game this year. I, however, um, baby, I'm back in the green once again, uh, up $525 and 61 cents this week. That's almost $2,000 on the year. Um, so I'm just waiting for someone to text me once I, or, you know, tweet at me or whatever. Once I have a losing week and that will be the week that they jump on my, on my bandwagon. I literally put zero effort into the the picks this week. Um, I was sitting in on Friday evening at like seven sitting in the uh, postpartum um, room with my wife looking like actually looking over the Nelly because we were at Fairview, Fairview Riverside and like looking at downtown Minneapolis. It was a really gorgeous sunset and I was kind of like, I could kind of see the Nelly from my, from the room that we were in on the seventh floor. And then I realized at like seven 30, I was like, Oh shit. RSO and San Jose are playing in like 30 minutes. I've got to make some fucking picks. So I literally fired up uh, MLS, the MLS.com realized that uh, the hospital wet Wi-Fi doesn't let you go to the bet MGM website to bet on games. So I had to, I had to like, do some finagling to figure out what the actual lines were. The the bet MGM lines are the ones. That's probably not so much for like visitors, but more like maybe folks that are being seen for. 
Possibly. Anyways, I figured out. Also, FYI, guys, uh, MLS puts the lines on their website. Um, the Bet MGM lines on their website. He's got to click on odds when it uh, when you're on there. I figured that out after I had like unhooked my phone from the Wi-Fi and then you know did some uh, deep deep searches and incognito windows and things like that. So on the black web on the, yeah, the dark web there. So anyways, yeah, I'm up black. almost, almost $2,000. Uh, yeah, this year. Uh, so yeah, so I guess, you know, bet Woo! my picks or don't. Um, anyways, well, we'll get an update from Dan here. Uh, hopefully soon, uh, for the next week. I, I know he was in the red, uh, last week. So I think he bet a lot of draws this weekend, so I don't think he did very well either. Oh, that's where that's where the 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 value is a lot of times in draws because they're not sexy to root for. So, mm. all right. Speaking of betting, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of games that we have coming up. Minnesota plays Vancouver this Wednesday at actually at eight p.m. I unfortunately I put seven p.m. in the uh, document there. Eight p.m. Uh, Vancouver uh, here. Minnesota's favored in this one. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. Minus one sixty-five. Uh, Vancouver plus- the, the odds people are like hey they really i mean could they really lose another game yeah um vancouver is actually not terrible so far this year uh vancouver's plus 375 and a draw is plus 310 uh vancouver are in fourth place in the yeah, west there's not a i mean which is weird in fourth place there's not a ton of people to talk about on vancouver um i'll just highlight mark dos santos who was a manager in the NASL as well. And someone that was talked about as a potential uh, manager for Minnesota United. He, did he manage Ottawa in uh, NASL? Yes. Okay. He, and they beat. He has managed several teams in Canada. And I feel like every one of that, like he might've managed the, the Evans and Eddie's too at one point. Yeah. He managed Ottawa when Ottawa beat Minnesota in the semifinals, I think this year before our last year. And then he managed uh, in San Francisco the one year that they were in the league and he won the league with San Francisco and um, that parlayed that into a job with uh, MLS. Um, I, I don't want to take everybody. Is there anybody that either of you want to highlight? Otherwise I can talk about the three other people I have on the, well, on the document. One of the people that you put in there, uh, Christian Dahomey was, is he's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. He's really good. He scored two goals uh, on the weekend. One, one, a penalty. Um, but also uh, a really nice goal. And then um, the other two sort of main people that you, you could talk about when you talk about Vancouver are uh, Lucas Cavallini designated uh, player forward for Vancouver. And then um, especially in relation to Dane St. Clair, Maxime Crapeau, who is the Canadian uh, starting goalkeeper um, ahead of Dane St. Clair on the, on the depth chart. And he has been uh, pretty good as well. MJ. Correction, it wasn't the uh, Edmonton Eddies. He managed 12 Park Rangers. Oh, okay. Which is not a Canadian team. That's yeah, Colorado USL. Rapids. That's Colorado Rapids affiliate. So. Kansas City. Kansas City affiliate. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Cavallini and, and Maxime Cropot are the two other ones. Are, is there anybody else that I'm missing that we really should talk about for Vancouver? I don't, I seem to not, not think so. No. Okay. All right. Well, so, you know, I guess this is the, uh, the eternal question is how should United play them? Um, maybe let's not, how should United play them? What do we want to see? Win. What do we want to see? Yeah. Right. Win. What do we want to see from Minnesota United? This, uh, I mean, we have two games. Um, let's specifically talk about Wednesday against Vancouver. Cause I think 
you know, there will probably need to be some rotation. So is there any, is there any sort of rotation that you would want to see for this game um, leading up to the match on Saturday, you know, from the match on Saturday, do we want to, do we still, do we run out the four to three again? Do we go back to our trusty four, two, three, one? Um, who wants to, who wants to start? I say we throw out the four, three, three again, but maybe slot Ja'Cory Hayes in one of the central midfielder roles and give, uh, Will Trap or Greg some rest? I would like to see Hayes played more. Um, maybe maybe throw out uh, Patrick Weah up, up, up top. Yeah. Or on the left. I mean, Justin McMaster uh, as well. Oh, yeah. Would be an interesting, I think, you know. Thank you. Could could get a good uh, a good run out here. Keeping Gucci at center back, just to see what he can do. <laughs> I mean, can can DJ Taylor play left back? Honestly, like, <laughs> do, can we have do we have anybody who can play left back? I, I think is that Chase's spot. Yes. Chase's. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Anyone. Take <laughs> application. Um, yeah. Anybody I mean, any, but Coleman. Anyone can play left back. I uh, could play left back, but uh should I play left back? out of the office. <laughs> Please contact anyone else in his absence. Right, right. I, so. I say brought keeping Gucci out at, at the left center back position and slide uh Yuka over to his more natural left left back position and just see what happens. Yeah. But, I mean, if Heath is just throwing shit at the wall. Why shouldn't we? I mean, the so honestly, the other option, if you want, if you want to do something like that without, you know, actually uh, using Kevin Gucci, who you know clearly Heath doesn't trust young kids, would be to put Brent Coleman as the left center back and slide Rotala over to the left fullback position. No, that's a thing you could do. Right. So, all right. Well, that is a combination we have not tried yet. That is so. true. So true. David makes a point that that um, would that would be the Heath thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really and, and then put Tyler Miller in goal. So, um, <laughs> uh, all right. So who's gonna win the game? Uh, MJ, I'll go to you first, and then Jess, and then I'll make my pick. So MJ, who do you got? Vancouver is in fourth place. They are what three wins, one loss, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't have their record in front of me. I apologize. Two the, one one. Yeah. They, they are, thank you, Jess. They're 2 1 1. Vancouver's going to win because until Minnesota proves me wrong, I'm still picking them to lose because they fooled me twice. Or no, they didn't fool me twice. I picked Seattle in the first game, but I thought they were going to win in versus Real Salt Lake. And they let me down. So I've picked them to lose ever since, and I will pick them to lose until they prove they can do otherwise. Fair enough. Uh, Jess? I'm going to say we eke out a draw. Okay. Uh, yeah, MJ, I'm on, I'm on the same boat as you, I think until, until they, until they can fucking win a game. I gotta, I gotta pick against them. I think it's uh, a one, nothing drab loss that everybody is just going to be really pissed that we're going home at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and we lost one to nothing. So prove it, prove us wrong. Adrian Heath, prove us wrong. So, all right, let's jump over and quickly talk about FC Dallas. Uh, another team that, you know, they're not 
super great right now. They're one, two, and one uh, in five points in ninth place. They're coming to town. Minnesota plays FC Dallas fairly well. Um, and actually Minnesota is, is slightly favored in this game uh, at uh, plus 115. FC Dallas is at plus 195 and the draw is plus 260. We got when we talk about FC Dallas, we have to talk about Luchi Gonzalez, the manager, um, probably the best, probably the best looking manager in MLS. He's all, he's definitely the snappiest dresser. That is for that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, there's lots of there's actually MLS has actually got a, a pretty high percentage of uh, attractive um, attractive men on the sidelines, and I think Luchi Gonzalez is very much. Uh, top of the table there. He wears weird. My TSL media can give him a run for the money. When he's got the flowing locks, yes. Yeah, yeah. He has he the flowing locks. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Lucci uh, wears weird target sweaters that somehow like he makes them work. And I don't understand how. Um, I don't know if you remember last year, he was the one who was wearing that big collared sweater oh. thing in, at the end of the year in like October. Um, Anyways, so yeah, and he's and he's actually a really good coach as well. So yeah. there's there is that as well. Um, MJ, anybody Former else? Minnesota Thunder player. He, yeah, and he played for Minnesota Thunder. Uh, he so there's actually a really uh, really great um, uh, story that basically I can't remember which I think which of the common I think it was one of the commons I, I sort of toward, toward this anecdotal story that he basically like the only people wearing skinny jeans in Minnesota in like the '90s were Brian. Brit- yeah. Okay. Prince and uh, Luchi Gonzalez. So if there's uh, <laughs> so yeah, dude, is, dude's got style for days. So uh, MJ, uh, who, who do we need to look out for on, on FC Dallas? Uh, they have a lot of young players. They have a lot of homegrowns of the homegrowns. Uh, Ricardo Pepe. Um, look out for him. I don't know. Well, we have to look out for Hollingshead because he might like <laughs> fake out Heath with right. a ball. That's good. That's a good point. And Adrian he also he did... said he would do it to Geo again, and I don't blame him. Yeah, and uh, Adrian Heath is, is not, I think, as spry on his feet as Geo Savarese is. So he might actually, um, might actually, you know what? We might encourage that because it might it might kill Adrian Heath, and then we then we get to get a different coach. So. Not that, I'm um, advocating, oh, advocating, no death wishes. not that I'm advocating no. for murder, but you know, um, just saying. Not someone that we need to look out for per se, but I assume Matt Hedges will get a start at, at one of the central back spots. And he's been very consistently inconsistent. But, <laughs> but he likes to frustrate Minnesota United. Like he's not that good. But sometimes we have a hard time breaking him down. So, is that a thing? Oh yeah, Um, yeah, Brian Acosta. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, he's really good. He definitely uh, gives Minnesota um, a lot of a lot of shit all the time. And then his uh, um, his midfield partner. Uh, Tanner Tessman, who is a another yeah. FC Dallas homegrown, uh, homegrown kid, um, are are really good. And then uh, I, I'll just throw out there, um, uh, Jader O'Brien, who scored the goal against Houston last week, and uh, uh, Franco Jara, um, who's another, uh, uh, he's the the center forward. Um, FC Dallas typically plays a four two three one. 
Um, and yeah, MJ, to your point, Matt Hedges actually didn't didn't start or or dress last week, so I'm not sure if he's hurt or no. He he yeah, he dressed. He was he was on the bench, so um, it's possible that they were saving him, knowing that they had a a two match week or something this this week. But um, yeah, they're uh, and we they have a old friend Jimmy Marrer, uh as the backup goalkeeper over there. So <laughs> um, old friend from the New York Cosmos NASL days. So uh, all Up right, the so- Cosmos. Yeah, fuck, fuck the cosmos. All right, anything else um, about? I mean, I, I don't think we pr- probably, you know, how we play Vancouver is how we're going to want to suit up against uh, FC Dallas. Or is there any any other major differences you would have between these two games? Uh, any particular? Would you um, rotate? Uh, you know, who, I don't, I don't know, MJ. Did you say who you take out of for? No, um, I, I said Travel Regus, but and I would say that throw you a better lineup against Dallas for a number of reasons. I think Dallas is a better team. It's the team on the weekend. So as far as giving your players the standard one week rest, you know, maybe rest some players for the midweek game. Okay. Anything else you would do differently or pretty much, you know, not lose. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I would love to get X's and O's on how we should attack Vancouver versus how we should attack FC Dallas. But more importantly, how should we defend? And we just need to defend better. Like we we need to defend better because I think the attacking part isn't our problem unless Heath is parking the bus and trying to be a Josie, which he's not a Josie. So um, I would like them rather than oh we need to go up the right side or we really need to uh, like try to create a two-on-one on Matt hedges or whatever the deal is rather than you get details it's just establish some very basic like here's how we want to play with our center midfielder work it out to the wings like some consistency that isn't as finely detailed about here's how we want to play versus this team that team just simplify it i don't know if he can do that i certainly can't i'm a complicated dude but like try to simplify the offense and defense to be more general than specific to your opponent just so we can all get on the same page and have some sort of foundation especially defensively yeah that's fair um i mean i would definitely to that your point about attacking i would definitely uh, try to attack Dallas's right, our our left. So um, they have a, a couple of young kids uh, playing there. So, um, anyways, Jesse, is there anything else that you would want to do or want to see again, other than win? Uh, I just, I would like to see Ozzy Alonso like punch somebody in the face. Yes, uh, if that's what it takes. I don't really yeah. care at this point. Just, just do better. That's fair points. Fair points. All right. So how do we, uh, how do we think this game ends? Uh, Jess, let's start with you this time. I'm going to be the hopeful uh, voice of positivity and say, we, you know, we draw against Vancouver on Wednesday night. It builds our confidence. And then all of a sudden shit gets weird and we win against Dallas on Saturday. Nice. Four point week. That'd be good. MJ. I am still the negative Nathan and say that until you prove me otherwise, 
Minnesota is going to keep losing. So Minnesota loses, uh, sadly, at home against FC Dallas 2-0. Uh, you know, I think I think we actually have FC Dallas's number. So I think this is either going to be a win or a Minnesota uh, a win for Minnesota or a draw. I think probably this is the game where we sort of like maybe start to get shit figured out and ends up being like a one, one draw. So I'm going to pick a draw. So we have all the possible outcomes covered. One of us will be right. One of us will be right for this game. That is for I sure. Love being right. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I would honestly, I would prefer you be right as opposed to me and MJ being, uh, as he put it, negative Nathan's uh, over here. So or Nancy's. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's, let's briefly, we got uh, we had some Champions League uh, stuff over the weekend. I'm gonna blow through these. Uh, we're not gonna talk too much about it. Um, <clears throat> uh, Philly and Atlanta United uh, played. It was a one-one draw, which ended up being Philly for, winning four-one on aggregate. This is the, the Concacaf Champions League, by the way. Uh, if you haven't figured that out, Cruz Azul won. Toronto FC zero uh, for four-one. Cruz Azul win. Monterey three. Columbus zero for a five-two Monterey victory. Which, that was a disappointing one, honestly. And then another disappointing one, Club America three, Portland one for a uh, 4-2 Club America aggregate victory. So the semifinals of CCL will not take place until August. Normally this tournament wraps up in like April, um, but because of COVID, it got pushed back. So the semifinals are two legs, August 10th and September 16th. uh, First leg, Club America versus Philadelphia. And then um, Monterey versus Cruz Azul are also uh, in that uh, semifinal as well. So three Mexican teams. One uh, American team. We'll see if, if the U.S. Uh, and MLS can finally uh, shit and get off the pot on this winning this tournament. So shit and get off the shit pot. and get out, shit and get off the pot. Yeah, in that um, order. In that order. Yes, not Got the it. other way around. Yes, I've yeah dealt with enough shit in my life. I don't need to deal with any more shit off the pot. <laughs> uh, Europa League. I, may, oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. I just want to say that. Unless you're from from uh, Ciudad de Mexico, um, anything to not have a classical Hoven in this in the finals. Like I'm a Cruz Azul fan. I would love to see Philadelphia Union against Cruz Azul and Philadelphia kick their ass. Um, yeah. But even as a Cruz Azul fan, I do not want to see Club America uh, versus Cruz Azul at all. I do not want to see another classical Hoven. And I yeah. know that, you know, if you're I'm a true Cruz Azul fan, that would be like the best thing ever. But <laughs> fuck that. I see those yeah. two teams and the hype around those two teams from Mexico City all fucking year long in Liga MX. Like, just not, let's not have that. Yeah. Uh, so Europa League, Man U 2, Roma 3. Um, but Man U scored six goals in the first leg, so they won 8-5 on aggregate. And then uh, I was really hoping Dan would be on the podcast tonight because Arsenal absolutely shits the bed in Europa. Uh, 0-0 draw. So they lose 2-1 on aggregate. So that final... To Villarreal. To Villarreal. So that final is May 26th. Uh, Villarreal versus Man U. Uh, the Champions League. Uh, Chelsea uh, goes out and, and beats the hell out of uh, Real Madrid. 2-0, including uh, our boy Captain America, Kristen Pulisic, uh, scoring a goal uh, for a 3-1 aggregate victory. And PSG... Uh, capitulates as they always do this time uh, unfortunately to the other uh, Qatari uh, com- uh, oil whatever conglomerate Man City uh, 2 nothing. so Man City wins um, that one 4-1 Man City one is, is UAE oh that's right UAE and, yeah, and, not Qatari. And 
PSG is Qatari. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So like good 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 and correct points. So yeah. know know your Persian Gulf uh <laughs> fucking influencers. Yeah. So Man, so Man City plays Chelsea in the final on uh 2 p.m. on May 29th. That was supposed to take place in Istanbul. Uh, it sounds like that is getting moved because uh, Turkey is now on the uh, red list for uh, English uh, English teams. So it sounds like they're trying to get it played at Wembley uh, or at a uh, uh, venue in in England. So there hasn't been any. I haven't seen any final decisions on that yet. And then the uh, UEFA Women's Champions League final is actually this Sunday, uh, May sixteenth at two p.m. Uh, it's Chelsea versus Barcelona. We talked a little bit about Chelsea's amazing comeback uh, last week. MJ, do you know what, if this is on CBS? I, or... I know for sure it will be on on Paramount Plus. Okay. I hope it's broadcast on on CBS proper or sport the Sports Network or something. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, yeah. I I I would hope it gets CBS proper, but yeah. Uh, I love the Barcelona women's team. I love the way they play. They play the same style as the men's team, but better, <laughs> more dominant. Yanni yeah. Hermosa um, uh, uh, is a phenomenal striker and scorer. Um, she plays their number 10, I guess not striker, uh, playmaker and scorer. And uh, their number six, Nikki Lasada, is just a badass. Yeah. Nice. Um, they they go against a very powerful Chelsea team that has an amazing roster that only got better this year. Um, it should be a very good game. Very cool. All right, and let's wrap up with some NWSL news. So um, there is so there's a, a there's a really great story in the Athletic about uh, this teen soccer phenom uh, Olivia Moultrie who trains with the Portland uh, with the Thorns. She's 15 years old. Um, she accepted a scholarship offer to uh, UNC at age 11. She's got a marketing deal with Nike uh, that she signed at 13. Uh, ha- files an antitrust lawsuit against the National Women's Soccer League because NWSL is refusing to allow her to sign and play with the Portland Thorns, even though she clearly is good enough to play. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, Obviously, you know, we all know the story of Freddie Adu, who signed when he, I think he was 14 uh, with DC United and, and played uh, his first uh, professional soccer match when he was 15, I believe. Um, and so NWSL is not allowing her uh, to play. They said they're setting an age requirement. All of that is a collectively bargained thing. And the NWSL, um, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, they've been they've been working on it, but they do not have a, a CBA um, with the uh with the with the league, the the players' association is currently negotiating the, a, a CBA, but they have not um, signed a CBA. So there's a, a lot what's of a le- CBA, a collective bargaining agreement. Basically, it's it's the the rules that govern how how and and why it, how and when teams can fine you for things, uh, what your um, obligations are to the team. It, it's just what a, they can pay you what they can pay you. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's just like, instead of like having individual agreements with each player, there's a, a, a collective, which covers all the, the bigger, broader stuff, the actual like amount of pay and stuff. Like there's like minimums and things like that are, are built into it. So it's the players union and the owners, hopefully meeting somewhere in the reasonable middle of how much the owners can exploit the players. Well, hopefully they're it's well favors the players in the union, but you know, so- <clears throat> 
is there a minimum age in the um, NASL? Uh, in the NASL, no. At MLS, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a collective bargain. So, like so, for example, so for example, the end the NFL has a has a age limit, and that you have to be you have to at least finish your sophomore year of college and be 22, 21 in order to enter the NFL draft. The the, mm-hmm. the basketball has you have to be at least eighteen and mm-hmm. or or nineteen. I think is their is their age floor, which is why you see some players now go and play in the D league or they go overseas for a year instead of going to college for a year. Right. Cause it's different they though, because, okay. So I'm a, I'm coming at this cold, but I'm reading the little article here and um, her, uh, she alleges that, that um, the minimum age violates the Sherman act. So it's mm-hmm. not that she was like, it's not that the Portland thorns or she talked to the Portland thorns and they wanted to hire her right away. And then the age requirement came in and it was like, nope, you can't have a contract, right? This is sort of preemptive. It's assuming that if she, if there were not an age requirement, that she would have already been invited to play at the major or at the NWSL level. Correct. That is an assumption. We do not know if that is the case. So I yeah. don't see her winning. That said, I still think that, um, I mean, I feel badly for her. I mean, I I completely agree when you're playing a sport, whether you're a gymnast or a hockey player or a soccer player, and you're washed up at 35, Whereas in my business professional life at 36, I am not washed up yet. You're losing valuable wage uh, compensation earning years. And let's say she's peaked. Let's say she's peaked and she's 15 years old. Then we need to get her paid to, for performing at her peak for 15, 16, 17, right? Mm-hmm. But... It's very presumptuous at, at first glance, in my opinion, end scene. Yeah. No, there's, it's, there, it's, it's interesting. It, it's a lot of labor law and things like that, that are way above uh, my pay grade. <laughs> um, but if she's good enough, I mean, it's, well, it's one of those things too. It's like, if she's good enough, the, the teams can, you know, the teams are at the contract, so they can, you know, they can write stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure she's got um, adequate representation who, and hopefully she's got people looking out for her who, who can write in things like, you know, making sure college is taken care of and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I, without seeing the lawsuits um, and what each, you know, what she's alleging versus what the NWSL is, is you know, responding to it's hard to tell what their what their actual arguments are she accepted a a nike contract at age 13 yeah so i don't think she can play in ncaa yeah i I don't think she intends to (laughs) yeah that's the whole point yeah i i I would say that in favor of her argument if she were a men's player Mm -hmm. this would probably not be an issue no because they would have already you know, courted her. Somebody yeah. would be courting her. Well, she she would be playing an ML. I mean, if she was an MLS player, she'd be playing an MLS. If she there, there's the soccer. There's 
weird soccer has weird rules in terms of when it comes to underage and whether being able to leave the country um because unless she has a passport she won't be able to leave the country and play and sign for another team where like 16 year olds i believe can can who, male 16 year olds can they have a passport from another country which is why christian pulisic went to uh dortmund um when he was 16 years old so there's just soccer has its own weird rules and then there's then there's the the fact that NWSL, while it's not a single entity league, um, the, the all the teams sort of like share some of the same the same similar business practices. It sounds like the Portland Thorns are actually supporting her in her lawsuit because they mm-hmm. would love to sign her. Um, so they're actually going against the league here, which is but a, they didn't, another interesting. They might have filed a brief, but they may they didn't uh, you know write her a contract, put your name on the line here. They're not supporting her to that extent. Right, but to say I think that I'm, they want her. I'm pretty sure that the league has said that they cannot do that. So they're they're doing the brief and saying like, we would love to have you. We want to support you. Um, I'm sure the league has has told them that they cannot offer her a contract. So because if they offer her a contract, it's there's a whole lot of I'm sure there's even more gray gray areas there. That, that's the legal process. Is you tell me I can't, I'm going to go ahead and do it, and then take court. If they really wanted her. <laughs> That's a fair point. I, I, also I think, think they, they're trying to handle the court stuff now so they don't have to deal with well, like, she's fines, fines, yeah. fines, fines or repercussions from the league. Well, but they can't be fined if they don't have a CBA. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> lawyer Jess in the house. Glad we have a lawyer. <laughs> the article points out that Alfonso Davies made his debut for the bench for Whitecaps at, at 15 years old. Yeah. Yep. Let's He's see. eligible to play for the national team, but then but the league that develops and prepares talent for the women's national team, she can't play for. Right. Right. So. Um interestingly enough, the the youngest player for the FAWSL in England, the women's league in England, is uh shoot, Lauren Adams. Lauren James, sorry, Lauren James. And that was at 16 years and zero days. Okay. Which to me says that the WSL might have a minimum of 16 years if she signed right at 16 years old and zero days. I mean, they don't they don't have a minimum right now. That's kind of the whole point here. And okay. and but 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 they're not allowing her to sign a contract. So, anyways, right. let's let's move on. Speaking of the Portland Thorns, um, NWSL in this one we'll end on this NWSL Challenge Cup final was on. Uh, Saturday on big CBS on uh, channel four here in the twin cities, which is great to see a women's soccer on free over the air uh, access for, for, you know, um, millions and millions of of people to watch. And uh, I didn't, I unfortunately, you know, was uh, trying to get home from the hospital and, and having that baby and did not, did not get a chance to watch this game. I I heard it was great. Uh, Portland uh, and Gotham FC were in the final ended up one, one in regulation uh, Portland won six uh, five on PKs after extra time. MJ, you watched a little bit as much. Why don't you give us a, a, a quick recap of, of this match? Just who you expect to score for the Portland Thorns? Maybe not this early, but in the eighth minute, Christine Sinclair scores an amazing goal to put Portland Thorns up one nil in the eighth minute, and then there were a couple of yellow cards, but basically. Portland dominated for most of the first half and the first part of the second half and just could not 
get that either extra pass or that extra touch to settle a goal on target. They sent some things wide. Uh, Didi Heritage for New Jersey, New York, made a lot of amazing saves to keep Gotham FC in it. Uh, and then in the 61 minute, kind of who you expect for Gotham, you have their best players in Ali Long and uh, Carly Lloyd coming at you. And Lloyd scores a really good goal in the box uh, for New York, New Jersey, tying it up at 1-1. It ends there. Um, there is an amazing, uh, within regulation, Christine Sinclair got in on net and Heritage had this diving save to parry Sinclair's, what would have been a goal, like just wide of the post. And then it goes to penalties. And uh, both teams had an early miss. Uh, Megan Klingenberg uh, missed for the Thorns. Uh, Cujo missed for uh, Gotham FC. But uh, eventually, uh, uh, French, AD French for the Thorns got an amazing save on Kawasumi. And that let uh, Morgan Weaver score the winning for the Thorns. And this was what, seventh round? Yeah, yeah. Must after, after seven rounds of penalty kicks. And I hate penalty kicks, but that save by Adriana Franch is fucking amazing. She's really good at soccer. She is. And I I did not know who Didi Heritage was before this. Um, her her dad was both a football player and a Olympic bobsled uh, competitor. So oh wow. Uh, so I I absolutely am now fanboying over Didi Heritage. She she's not the reason why they why uh, New York usually lost this game, and another great goalkeeper in in the NWSL to watch. Very cool, very cool. Uh, all right, well that brings us to the end of the podcast. Again, we try to keep it as short as possible. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's a uh, joke. <laughs> we worked out. It worked out okay. Not not as well as I as I had originally hoped, but it, it's fine. You have me on the pod. I know, I know. Um, and we both we both get into a into a tizzy about stuff, especially when it relates to Adrian Heath. So Our, it's, just a, it's just a it's a bad it's a bad mix of, of things. Hashtag so. Heath out. Hashtag we didn't say it. Hashtag Heath out. Yes, please. Think for the love of God. Uh, please. Hashtag Heath out. Question mark. Question mark. Um, yes. Hashtag Heath out. Question mark might actually be the name of the of the. Uh, of the podcast. So uh, please rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. You can go to Dave's I know.com. Uh, occasionally people, some people right there. Um, Patreon.com slash Dave's I know. Again, if you, if you want to get that Heath out stout beer, we need to get eight more uh, subscribers to the Patreon at any level, the $3 level, the $6 level, or the $12 level, whatever um, the highest level is. I promise to go out on a date with that person. <laughs> Don't make, don't make promises like it'll that. Be all, it'll be <laughs> all like uh, Ted Lasso. Okay. Yeah. I, I, well, you heard it here first. Um, at TDIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Uh, Jess, have you fi- have you changed your Twitter handle yet? Uh, no, but 
that is one thing we should elicit is ideas for Jess's new Jess needs a new quit handle. A new uh, new handle. Uh, it's at Jessica one four four zero eight three nine two. Apparently, that is also her, in there. That's uh, uh, also her social security number. So if you want to steal <laughs> her identity, uh, MJ is at MJ Matsui and Dan is at D Wade. We have been the names you know. This is the names. As you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We, we, we do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.